is the Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 170, operating on February 27, 2023. This is Drew, an airline ops manager, and I'm here with my buddy Doug, an airline pilot. We're here to discuss aviation topics from an industry insider's perspective. Doug, great episode last week with your mom, Ruth. Ruth, thanks for being a great listener and now also a great guest. We're going to talk about your return trip from Japan in just a moment. But Doug, it is eight o'clock in the morning here. I've had maybe six hours of sleep since I worked last night. In California, where you are, it is five o'clock in the morning. Why are we doing this right now? (laughs) Why am I not in bed? Yeah, because we work in the airlines and I I work two jobs. Today is my airline Monday. It's your airline Friday. I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> well, we don't want to burden our listeners with our challenges taping. You know, sometimes you're taping in different countries and your uh, sleep pattern is all messed up. But today we're going to burden our customer, our, our listeners with our struggle because that'll make it easier for me to help wake up if I'm a little bit angry and I'm able to share my pain. (laughs) But anyway, tell me about your trip back from Japan. seems like a successful trip. Yeah, it definitely was. We recorded, I think, on the day that I was going home, if I remember correctly. After we recorded, we went out, had some more amazing food. Drew, that layover has turned into probably one of my favorite spots. Kyoto was awesome. Osaka was awesome. The food was incredible. Like I, I really want to try and get back there as mm-hmm. as often as I can. When you see it, you might take it, right? Or because you, as as a line holder, will you sometimes just get that, or is that a desirable route where you can only pick it up if someone is trading it off? No, I actually so. think that's not all all that desired of a route because hmm. the, as a line holder, most people try and get what we call high credit trips, high credit time trips so you want to maximize the amount of time that you fly in the smallest footprint possible so that you have more more days off which is why sydney tel aviv auckland typically go very senior because those those are close to 30 hour trips and the fa limits the amount of flying to 100 hours a month so if you do three 30-day trips in a single month you're done that's it Oh. Which is why, which is why people really try and get those high time trips. Osaka yeah. was, I think it was about twenty four hours, so it's still pretty good, but it's six hours short of what some of the longer trips are. So it's it's oh, not as okay. desired as like the Sydney's or Tel Aviv's. Oh wow! So Sydney is probably what three hours further away, mm-hmm. but you get six hours because extra. you get the round trip. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, no, I mean, your mom was born there and she described it as her homeland. So I guess you are part Asian American and you should continue going there (laughs) and getting in touch with your roots. Maybe keep brushing up on your Japanese. And we have climbed in uh, on the list in Japan as far as listeners. So for our listeners in Japan, stay tuned. We'll have more (laughs) trips to Japan to talk about, hopefully. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk about my return. I want to talk about my mom. So I feel really bad. She rode, as I said, she rode on the crew bus with us to the hotel. But the way they schedule our return, we get to the airport basically in just enough time to get through security, to get through customs, and board the airplane as the passengers are boarding. 
or or hmm. basically the flight attendants get there set up and then the passengers start boarding i was worried because i didn't know if i could bring my mom through the crew line for security and customs leaving the country so i yeah. sent her on on the train a couple hours early to get to the airport wow. with, with enough time that neither of us were terribly worried about it i could have easily brought her with us that a couple of the flood attendants had their traveling companions with us going through customs it was totally fine mm -hmm. so my mom had to leave early she had to sit at the airport for a couple hours then she had a 10-hour flight and then i couldn't get her on a flight to denver until the last flight of the night so she sat oh. in the san francisco airport for six maybe seven hours after we got in yeah and then she was sending you random uh, Avgeek mom type pictures of yeah she was just walking the airport because what what do you do for seven hours and she she uh, didn't have club either. access either but she she was totally fine but she did get a nicer seat coming back which she didn't expect she did yeah she she was in premium economy she didn't get business but she was in the last row and and I think the last row is the best because you can recline without worrying about reclining mm -hmm. into someone you might have someone mm -hmm. recline into you but yeah. yeah. I, I, Definitely think the last row is the best. No, that's a great trip. I'm pro I, she'll probably go with you again. Oh, Hopefully, guarantee Speaking of Japan, real quick, you know, we were, you were going on. So Doug was in full MBA mode because um, we were talking about airline business with our friends, and you were going on these long tirades about your thoughts <laughs> about, and it was great. But you know, it just brought to mind back in the day we were flying seven forty sevens from Washington to Asia daily. Sometimes they were full. Were they profitable? I don't know. I don't think so. And now, and I'm not. I'm just speaking in general terms because the airlines have gotten so much smarter and so much. I want to say shrewd. Mm -hmm. Like we won't launch a market unless we think we can make money. So fast forward to 2023, we'll be flying a seven eight seven or a triple seven two hundred just to Haneda, not even to Beijing yet, because we don't know if we can make money there. So just an example of how things have changed. And we have a story of uh, how airlines are making profit again, not just in the US, but overseas too. I think Ruth is broken in as an on-rev now, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right? Because a seven-hour camping out at the airport, that'll do it. It's like, okay. <laughs> she was oh. broken in when, when I had to connect her through Steamboat Springs to get to Chicago once. <laughs> mm -hmm. she's, oh that's right yeah she's she's good to go not a busy week for me oh i did have to do a presentation for the flight attendant supervisors regarding our stats and how we do on-time performance and how we assign uh an accountability to a department if we take a delay so they were just eating that up so that was fun to do yesterday but other than that it's a pretty calm week um i was talking to, with my buddy neil who i went to college with well hold on hold on did, did you miss yeah. snowmageddon did i go north of you oh, yeah we got nothing. Okay. I mean, it is Doug, it is crazy weather. So we were in the 50s yesterday. We'll be in the 50s today. Tomorrow in Washington, D.C., in the winter, we will be up to 80 degrees. <laughs> it, yeah, like, it's, it's ridiculous. We're, we're going to be 44 tomorrow. 44 and rainy. And tom tomorrow... I know. I have to hear from mom every tomorrow, day. Tomorrow is my KC-10 Finney flight, which... California, it's never cold. California, it rarely rains. And of course, my yeah. last flight ever on the KC-10, it's going to be terrible weather. <laughs> is it really going to be your last flight? Because we've been ramping this up for... No, it is. Yeah. Okay. It is. And it's going to be half half the temperature as what, what you have, cold and rainy. Yeah, it's crazy. So 80 degrees on, what was it, Thursday, 
50s on Friday, and then Saturday it's 39 with a chance of snow. So <laughs> Greg is coming to visit from Lexington. I'm like, bring your flip-flops and bring your ski jacket. I have no idea. What yeah. I saw this meme. It was talking about people living in the Midwest. It's like the season chart. Uh-huh. It's like um, you have the first fall, spring, then you have winter, then you have uh-huh. the second fall, spring, uh-huh. then you have hell, and then you have the third false spring, and then you have pseudo winter, and then it's yeah. like real spring, and then short summer, mosquito season, right. etc. It's all bad. And so yeah, right, right now you're in false spring, the first false spring, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's funny because on the on the 10 o'clock call, when all the, the hubs join the call and the NOC director leads it for a quick overview of what's going on. Oh, my God. Everyone has all these problems. Even L.A., San Francisco, where it's usually nice weather. They have all these oh, delays. Super windy. Yeah. Super windy. And they were talking about some flight that was en route to Portland that was probably going to turn back to San Francisco. And I'm like, what is going on? And I don't have to mention Denver and Chicago are in a lot of pain right now. And then they go to the East Coast to Washington. I'm like, you know, I'm going to keep this short <laughs> because I don't have a lot of Because <laughs> no one wants to hear about my, you know, 80% on-time performance while they're like struggling to be at 50%. <laughs> but let me not rub it in. I'll just keep this short. And, and even Newark, you know, Newark, we're used to a lot of issues, but we're doing great on the East Coast. So I'm pinching myself. We have uh, Danny at work and we call it the Danny's Airport Farmer's Almanac of Weather, <laughs> which has <laughs> always been right on. So he took the cutoff of winter at March 15th. So I'm like, okay. he, he he forecasts that it's going to be a very mild winter. I mean, he gets that from Noah, of course, but we give him credit for it because if it goes wrong, we have someone to blame. I'm like, guys, <laughs> you know, we're three weeks out. We're three weeks away from Danny's Danny's Airport Farmer's Almanac of airport weather. So we just got to make it three more weeks and we'll be out of it. <laughs> Wait a minute. He, he predicted the 15th of March. Oh, no. He says that is his cutoff for the winter in general. So after March 15th, we shouldn't have to worry about snow. Just this year or every oh, year? No, in general. In general. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say because the groundhog, Phil, saw his shadow, which means six more weeks of winter. Groundhog Day is on the second, so that okay. would be March fifteenth. So good oh. job, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He probably just goes by that, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> he gets credit for that. All right, one more thing, real quick. So I've been talking to my buddy Neil. I went to uh, college with him in San Jose. So he was he flies for us, and he was at SJC in San Jose, walking around on his two hour layover, and he went to where we used to work for this little airline called Reno Air. Uh, flew MD eighties. Of course, based in Reno, but we had a hub at uh, San Jose, and he took pictures. And Doug, it looked exactly the same as when we worked there. No so changes. No changes. <laughs> so if you're at San Jose, please go to gate A1, A2, and A3 and take some pictures if you want me to go down memory lane with you. But we just remember, you know, all the fun we had. We have. To, he's not big on social media, but he's actually interested on being on the show because so we can tell our stories. Just a couple. We worked in customer service, and then we worked in ops. But I remember... Working in customer service, we were at the gate working a flight, and Neil hated doing ticket exchanges. I don't know if it's Orange County or LA. We're working this long. You had to do all this stuff at the airport where people just do it on their app now. So there's a long line, and there's this customer that needs to do a ticket exchange, and Neil got the customer, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god, that would this guy is so smart. He can fly a 737, but a ticket exchange, forget it." 
So he had to do that. I'm standing next to him. I'm just checking in my customers. I'm just minding my own business. I'm working the line. And he's like, oh, you know, hey, can you help this person with his ticket exchange? I'm like, and I want to be professional in front of the customer, but I'm like, you're going to give me your worst transaction right now. And I'm like, all right, let me have it. So I take the ticket and it's really complicated. And Neil's like, oh, I think something's wrong with the boarding pass printer. So he goes down he's next to me and he's tying my shoelaces together while I'm doing this complicated. So I'm angry to begin with. Plus he's messing around down there. He's tying my shoelaces together. And let me tell you, just to give you an example of how horrible these tickets, I mean, anyone who has worked at, as a customer service agent in the nineties and early two thousands, you will understand this right now. I'm picturing that scene for meet the parents where the ticket agent it's is like just that. typing for five minutes. And she's like, Nope, Nope. Yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> or the guy wants to change the ticket and it's like typing for like three minutes like okay yeah i can get you on on the next flight it'll be two thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> but doug real quick we we now laugh about this stuff that we had to do so to do a ticket exchange now just imagine the scene so he's tying my shoelaces together i have a long line of customers to check in because back then people came to the gate for some reason like there's they're not as needy now as they used to be so I'd have to like look at their tickets. Like, oh, you want to exchange your ticket from Orange County to LA? Okay, no problem. So I have to do T end item dollar sign. These are strokes on the keyboard. And <laughs> I have to put the ticket number. And a ticket number is like 16 digits to begin with. So I have to get all that right. T dash T end item dollar sign ticket number slash the base fare. I have to find what the base fare is on his original ticket. Make sure that's right. Slash the tax. Slash, yeah, I'm not even kidding. Slash, I know you know. Slash the PFC passenger facilities charge because we had some of those. You know, some airports were charging to put that in. Then I have to get his credit card number, AX if it's American Express. Type in the whole credit card number. Slash the expiration date. Oh no no, back to ticket. After the ticket number, I have to put in what how many coupons he's using, like which coupons. So if he's using coupons two and four star two and four for the coupons base tax passenger facility charts slash credit card number slash expiration date and then you're like oh i think i got it then you press the enter key and you just pray that a ticket is gonna that you got it right and half the time it wouldn't (laughs) it's like oh my god so then what you would have to do because it's not accepting that for whatever reason because one digit was the wrong place you would do a stored ticket, which means you just make it up. You make it up. So you fill in all the boxes which what with what you think it is, and it'll print out a ticket. And then later, you know, when they're auditing, you might get in trouble. But Reno Air was so scrappy, you never heard. I mean, I could store a ticket to Orange County in first class for $28, and no one's going to talk to me because, you know, that's just the way it was. That was one of the ridiculous things we'd... I mean, this is just one... One more funny thing, when we used to work the ticket counter, we used to work next to Southwest, and they were a bunch of clowns. Saturday nights, it was so quiet, people would be bored. So every Saturday night, Doug, Southwest would make this announcement, hey, for the person who owns the orange Pinto that's parked at the curbside, it's not really blocking anything, but it's just really tacky, so if you could move it... (laughs) And then we would laugh the first few weeks. And then finally, it's like, this is so dumb. It's so old. So what Neil and I did, and it's horrible, we would get on right after them and be like, 
hey, whoever owns the uh, green, brown, and rust-colored 737 parked at C1, <laughs> it's not really blocking anything, but could you move it? It's just really tacky. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get him on the show. We'll, we'll tell more stories, but the problem is this is a family-friendly show, so we have to whittle it down to, like, two stories out of 20, just FYI. Doug, as I mentioned, Neil and I worked for this little airline called Reno Air. The airline code was QQ. They ran out of code, so that's I guess that's all that was available. QQ. <laughs> <laughs> it's like light, license plate numbers. I guess. All right. It was based in Reno, but we opened another hub in San Jose, California. And that's where I worked for them because I was going to San Jose State. We met there and became close friends. The airline prided itself on offering a full-service product even though we were tiny, even compared to Alaska Airlines, Reno Air was tiny. We offered snacks and economy and a tray service in first class with a sandwich and chips and cookies and all that. This was even on flights from San Jose to Los Angeles and Orange County. The sandwich and chips seem like a small and expensive service addition, but when airline service becomes a commodity, the little things make a difference and can attract customers to that airline. Midwest Express was another tiny airline that had a hub in Milwaukee. It was known for their fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies that people still talk about. Alas, both these airlines were absorbed in the merger craze of the late 90s and 2000s. It was sad to see Reno Air and their sandwiches and Midwest Express and their fresh-baked cookies go, but there's hope, Doug. We are seeing a trend now where airlines are adding customer amenities to set themselves apart. Let's give credit where credit is due. Business Traveler magazine did a nice rundown, and we've added a few more perks we found. Doug, what are we seeing? Yeah, let's start with the perk that we really value, the airline clubs. American just opened a snazzy or swanky or whatever the <laughs> bloggers are calling it these days. American opened a new Admirals Club at Reagan and will upgrade lounges in Austin, Denver, and Newark. BA and American opened three lounges. They jointly operate at JFK's Terminal 8 with one featuring a champagne bar. BA's lounges at Baltimore, Newark, San Francisco, Seattle, and Dulles have joined Priority Pass. So anyone with a membership... And even those, if you're not flying BA, can use the club. Delta recently opened a new club at LAX with a sky deck where you can bask in the California sun watching the airplanes. They'll also compete with United in their premium Polaris lounges with their version, Delta One lounges, for international business class passengers. Speaking of United, if you're a premium customer making a connection, they'll whisk you away to your next gate in an environmentally friendly electric Jaguar. United is also making our self-catering easier with a club fly option at Denver, where you can grab snacks and drinks and run to your next flight. And Drew, I've, I've been to that, and I mm -hmm. really hope that that starts picking up in other locations. We talked about it during the pandemic, self-catering. Yeah. Grab stuff from the lounge, go to your flight. Just I'm just imagining us at, the, at one of these, and it'll be like that um, show, Supermarket Sweep, where we're just... <laughs> <laughs> just grab the arm, grab a bag, throw everything in. Right. <laughs> well, it's, you, you know, before I go on to the next bullets, it's funny because back in the day, like four years ago, pre-COVID, they would always advise against taking food out of the lounge. Mm. Like there, there were signs, eat here, can't bring it with you. Maybe an apple at, at the desk on the way out, but they didn't yeah. want you bringing food out of there. COVID changed that. That's one of the, the benefits from what changes came from COVID. Because yeah. now the lounges actually encourage you to mm. bring the food, to, to take it with you. Well, like like Delta, they have their little sandwiches, and they're wrapped in a way that it's easy to, to take with you for mm -hmm. the flight. And then in South America, Latam just opened the largest lounge on the continent in Santiago. 
in the Middle East. Qatar opened the second Al Morjan Lounge in Doha. Wow, great to hear. And we haven't even left the ground yet. This is what you can expect when you get on board. JetBlue customers crossing the Atlantic can customize their meal with a choice of a main and a side versus beef or chicken. And that's an economy. Delta is working with New York restaurateur Danny Meyer and San Francisco Greek restaurant Suvla on their menus. You know, that's a recommendation to our airline. And we're not experts on food, right? Maybe some of our airline people are, but restaurants are. So why don't you work with them and help have them help plan your menu? Delta Premium Select customers can expect quote-unquote bubbles and bites on aperitif after takeoff, along with upgraded amenity kits and memory foam pillows. United's cheeseburgers and economy are a big hit, and now they're adding a meatless option as well. United is also introducing three new economy class snacks in April with mango apple bars, chocolate and sea salt crisps, and a savory snack mix. So look out, Biscoff. I mean, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I like a Biscoff, but when they come around, it's like, uh, Biscoff. (laughs) Hot towels are back, Doug. We got them on United, and I got them on American also. Bravo. Hopefully Singapore. Singapore invented the hot towel. And when when we flew them, we flew them and they didn't have it. Hopefully they have that back now. Speaking of Singapore, they are working with the California spa Golden Door to add no less than two dozen book the cook meal options to their first business and premium economy cabins. But wait, there's more. Emirates is adding more caviar on its flight. So people with first world problems can have a second (laughs) helping if they they want it with their Dom Perignon. Delta is rolling out free Wi-Fi on its domestic flights to match JetBlue. KLM is releasing more of their souvenir Delftware miniature houses that they gift in business class. Side note, my parents love those. In fact, oh, if they have if if they have the same one, mm-hmm. they'll actually bring it on a trip and try and trade it in oh, no on way. that trip. Is that a thing? Apparently, yeah. Or you could walk around the cabin and try and trade it with customers that are trying to sleep. And you're like, <laughs> so, yeah. Do you want this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the other customers are trying to sleep and my parents are walking around trying to barter. Anyways, United will ensure families with kids can sit together even on basic economy tickets. And if not, they can change to another flight for free. United CEO Scott Kirby acknowledged the frustration of parents saying, quote, as a father of seven, I understand this and have sat away from our kids on many flights. These are all great things. Can I just say, um, I'm going to send Scott Kirby's kids some Christmas presents just to thank them for that airline offering additional services. Because what was it? The TVs that United is adding? Wasn't there a story that uh, Scott was he on? He flew with his kids on. Yeah. Yeah. On Delta. His yeah. And his kids, were like, <laughs> his kids were like, Daddy, why don't we have this? Yeah. Now we need. I'm going to send his kids some hot towels from uh, like. Singapore Airlines in economy. <laughs> so the kids can be like, hey, daddy, why can't we have hot towels in economy? And then we'll get hot towels in economy. <laughs> Send the kids some chocolate chip cookies that were freshly baked. I don't know. No, this is great. And and why are we why are we talking about this right now? Because people have complained, passengers, you and I included, have complained about the last decade, two decades, we've seen a decline in service, mainly after 9-11. But I... I truly believe that we are re-entering a new golden age of aviation. I know the seats are a little bit more cramped than they were, but these services and, and the things that the airlines are providing for, what did we talk about with our, our buddies, the cheapest average ticket prices in history. In history. And we, we are bringing back these sort or, or introducing these new amenities and, and things that the airlines have 
either not had for a long time or the new things like that grab and glow grab and go club option that's that's new that's never been done before yeah and we can dig into it our buddy greg did a, a really nice spreadsheet about how airfares have gone down and it's adjusted for inflation and whatnot and doug i think what was it like six hundred dollars was the average airfare in the 60s and now we're down to like between two and three hundred you know and now with these amenities i mean we're not getting back to full meals and economy yet but we are getting a lot back and the service is more accessible to a lot of people. Well, one of the reasons that we're seeing more amenities on airlines again is that they're making money. We've talked about U.S. carriers' profits, but now we're seeing profits around the world too. Qantas is back in the black with a $978 million U.S. dollar half-year profit. This is the airline's first profit since the COVID pandemic began. Qantas CEO Alan Joyce said, quote, while interest rates and inflation are expected to hit discretionary spending at some point, we have yet to see any signs of that. In fact, research shows that travel is one area that people want to prioritize over the next 12 months, end quote. So he's probably also hearing that infamous R word in Australia, but the airlines are just not seeing it. Customers mm-hmm. are, are prioritizing travel and Robbie's getting ready for work, but he's already talked about uh, the hate travel he's going to do once he's travel again and and he's already talked about some places he wants to go so that will be great for us all right doug australia is back and everyone wants a piece of that market including including our airline which is has launched services back to australia in asia sri lankan airlines is also hoping traffic to australia among other destinations will help get it back to profitability the government-owned carrier is facing a dire shortage of cash and is expanding destinations it served pre-covid to get, get back on its feet these include cities in India, China, Australia, and Europe. I saw it in Paris. Paris? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you saw them in Paris? Yeah, uh, 3.30. Oh, wow. So the airline is aggressively going after the Indian market. For example, 55 to 65% of its passengers on their A330s going to Sydney and Melbourne are connecting from Indian cities. Sri Lankan released a request for proposal for five A320 narrow bodies and five A330s on a six-year dry lease. So can you believe that? So this is a company that's in dire financial needs, but they're adding planes because they see an opportunity to make money mm-hmm. and get out of it, right? It doesn't make sense. But you have to spend money to make money is the old adage. Right. You know, it's what do we talk about? I mean, we don't want to get, we're getting into MBA territory. That's that missed opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. So that's cost, but you're going to miss that opportunity to make that money unless you spend that money. Um, the bids, which were opened on February 7th and are now under discussion, could add significantly to the present fleet of only 17 aircraft. Last year, Sri Lankan President Ranil Wickremesinghe, and I can pronounce that because I'm <laughs> born in Sri Lanka and it's still even hard for me, uh, called for partial privatization of the airline. It has now been almost 15 years since the Sri Lankan government reacquired all shares in Sri Lankan Airlines from Emirates, which had partially purchased the carrier in 1998. When you look at Sri Lankan and you look at the tail and it kind of looks like Emirates with the stripes, which is actually a peacock, mm-hmm. that's why. Because when they took ownership, they changed the livery. It's like Continental and Copa. Yeah, exactly. As China reopens its borders, Sri Lankan will launch operations to Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou. It has also begun offering international flights to Paris, Frankfurt, Kathmandu, Seoul, and Korea. And yeah, you just said you saw them in Paris. And there, there's a big demand for travel from the West and from rich Asian countries to tropical destinations, vacation destinations like Sri Lanka. 
And they really, I mean, all these customers in China and India that are going to start traveling again, Sri Lankan has the opportunity to take advantage of that because they are they are very strategically located in Asia, in kind of the middle of Asia where they can fly people around. Well, especially with the Russian airspace closure right now, if you look at, at flight flight maps and, and route maps from Europe to Asia, that have a lot of those airlines have to avoid the Russian airspace. Yeah. They go pretty close to Sri Lanka on their mm-hmm. way to Australia, to Singapore, even to Hong Kong. They kind of cut the corner and then go back up north to Japan. So Sri Lanka might be actually really well geographically positioned going forward permanently for that east-west flow from Oceania, from East Asia to Europe, to Central Asia, to West Asia, to Africa, to all those those areas, a la what Emirates is doing, what Qatar is doing. Yeah, and people fly. So Ian flew Sri Lankan Airlines from Dubai to Singapore. If you look on the map from Australia and Southeast Asia to Europe and the Middle East, you fly right over Colombo. Right over. They're mm-hmm. very yeah. strategically placed. And we are going to talk about tiny airlines. Well, air, no, airlines from tiny countries that are huge. And I've always thought Sri Lankan Airlines has that opportunity if they can just mm-hmm. manage it better. Doug, February is African American History Month, and I thought we'd go back in history and remember the first African American commercial airline pilot. Yeah, Drew. In 1964, David Harris became the first commercial airline pilot when he was hired by American Airlines. He grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and was inspired by visiting Lockbourne Air Force Base, where the famed Tuskegee Airmen were based after World War II. He and his brother would run around the base, not paying attention to the fact that everyone on the base was black. Harris went into the Air Force himself and flew as a captain on the B-52 bombers. After six years in the military, he applied to the airlines. Even though he was inspired by the Tuskegee pilots he met at Lockbourne Air Force Base, no airline would hire them. Harris experienced the same thing with airlines rejecting or not accepting his applications until finally American Airlines called him. He said that he was stunned by what the recruiter told him. Quote, he says, you know, I really don't care if you're black, white, or chartreuse. Can you fly an airplane? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. You know what? So, you know, in 1964, there were those people that looked beyond color and gender. And that recruiter at American, I mean, bless their heart. In 1964, they were saying something like that. That's what we would say today. You know, that's mm-hmm. normal to say today. I, you know, can you fly the plane? All right. During his career, Harris had to bite his tongue when hearing racist comments in the cockpit he would just not pay attention. He would focus on flying. He had a roommate who, may, who would make racist comments, and he chose not to rock the boat, and he learned to live with it and move on. And, you know, that that's disappointing because you want to say something, which, and you should say something. But then again, he's looking at the long goal, right? The long game. Yeah. He's looking at the long game. And, you know, you have to think about these things. What's the What's the goal? Because, you know, you stay in it, and then eventually he can be the one that helps helps open it up to other people right but in the meantime he just bit his tongue did a good job just focused on safety which is awesome which is what we all should be doing once harris was established with american airlines he started mentoring young african-americans both men and women who are interested in flying he said reaching back and helping others to succeed that's what i'd like my legacy to be thank you to david harris the first african-american commercial pilot and thanks for everything you did to uh, get more people who want to be in aviation 
into aviation. That's great that he's encouraging anyone who wants to be a pilot to follow their dreams. All right, Drew, let's get to our ops topic that our buddy and co-host of Non-Rev Lounge, Tyler, asked us to cover. Yeah, Doug, Tyler told us about a friend who was stuck in Hawaii, even though there were seats open. Why? It was what Non-Rev and even some revenue customers fear, weight restrictions. Tyler asked us, what are some reasons for weight restrictions? Doug, let's discuss some reasons why we can't get all the customers on board and there's open seats. I'll go first. Just looking at some examples from my work, it almost always has to do with airport conditions at the destination or weather en route. Sometimes it does have to do with uh, aircraft conditions. Just to give you some ideas, last summer, Portland, Maine had their longer runway closed for construction for a couple of weeks. So because of that, we had to hold off about five people on every flight to Portland, Maine, because landing on the shorter runway, the plane had to be lighter so it could be within its performance restrictions, right? So that was one of the reasons going to the West Coast with these 737s that are just have enough fuel to make it and some diversion fuel. When there's headwinds, it's a real challenge. So we have situations where we have to hold off 10 people on a 737 going from DC to San Francisco because there's winds en route, which means you're going to use more fuel. So to use less fuel, you need a lighter plane. And we unfortunately have to deny boarding. The easy fix is to hold off the cargo. We hold off the cargo first. Then we hold off any forwarded bags, any bags for people that are not on board. And then after that, we have to hold off uh, non-revenue customers, unfortunately. Sometimes the weight restriction is so severe that I will say, or even NOC will say, we're going to make a fuel stop. So if it's 20 people, I'm just like, see if we can get a fuel stop. That That is a lot of people. And we may not have seats later to San Francisco. And our dispatchers and NOC are very user-friendly. Like they're, they're very considerate. There have been um, summers where we have regularly stopped in Kansas City and St. Louis. Real quick, 30 minutes for a fuel stop to avoid denying people boarding. We have a flight to Cape Town, which is a very long flight. And uh, it's at the upper end of the range of a 787. And we will sometimes have to go with seats open because that is such a long flight with so much fuel required. What are some examples you have to? Well, I know that the FAA just updated the average weight of a passenger. I, I think it was 180 and they've gone up to like 195 or something. I, I My numbers might be a little bit off. I'm, I'm sure some of the listeners can tell us. But because of that, 757s now have to have six permanently blocked seats, seats that they cannot fill, they cannot sell due to the weight and balance of the airplane mm. because if the FAA updated the the average weight of a passenger. So on 757s, you'll always see six seats now. I, uh, 200s, I'm not sure about the 300s. So that, that's one example. But as you mentioned, flying air, 737s from the East Coast to the West Coast, airlines are really stretching the capabilities of these airplanes. Yeah. We've talked about how the 73 used to be basically a regional airplane that it would fly from the hub out to small outstations like in the Midwest and the deep South and things like that. And now we're flying these to Hawaii. We're flying them transcon. I, I did a Boston to Los Angeles flight. That was almost seven hours last year on the seven three. Oh that is God. a, that is a very, very, very long flight. flight. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the, the airlines are, are really stretching the, the legs of these airplanes for Thanksgiving, I did Houston to Honolulu on a 777-200 non-ER, so mm-hmm. not the extended range, so didn't have as, as much fuel. And we had about 30 or 40 box seats, I think, 
just because of, of the weight. And we took off, we, we, we pushed back actually over our max takeoff gross weight. And mm-hmm. we had to burn down a little bit of, of fuel before we could even take off. And that was with seats empty in the back because yeah. that was like an eight and a half hour flight on a non-extended range triple seven, one mm-hmm. of the first ones that, that was built. So there's that, as you mentioned, the, the Cape Town thing, Johannesburg, Denver, Bogota, those are some airports that we call hot and high. Okay. They're high in elevation and the higher that you get, the less dense the air is. Mm-hmm. So the longer the runways need to be, which is why Denver has like 14,000, 16,000 <laughs> feet long runways because the air is less dense. And during right. the summer, when it's 100 degrees, your performance goes down yeah. because the engines, you have to derate them when it's hot. Mm-hmm. And because of that, even on a super long runway, you may not have the performance to, to, to be able to take off with a fuel a full fuel load and fly to your intended destination. Delta's running into this right now with Johannesburg. Their A350s don't have the capability to take off from Johannesburg fully loaded and make it to Atlanta. Uh-huh. So they're having to do a tech stop in Cape Town. Yeah. Even though the even though Cape Town to Atlanta is longer distance wise, it's sea level. So they're oh. able to fill up fully Good and point. make the flight from Cape Town to Atlanta. Okay, I'm so glad that, you that because I would not even, I would just look at distance and be like, that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's high and hot and they can't take off with full, we call it full bags because of that. Yeah. So have you ever experienced this? So I believe we had a flight going to Europe. I can't remember what city it was. The speed brakes were deferred. So the speed brakes are when you touch down and you'll see spoilers or speed brakes come up on the wings to slow it down as soon as it touches down. So on this plane, the speed brakes were deferred which you can land, but increases, you're in, increases the landing roll, increases the landing roll. So I believe we had a weight restriction because of that, because landing in Zurich or Rome or wherever mm-hmm. it was going, it's raining. They um, need a longer landing roll with no speed brakes. So you need a lighter plane for that. And which unfortunately means we had to, to keep some customers off. Yeah. Or if the thrust reversers are deferred, Unfortunately for Tyler's friend, uh, you, you don't always get the full picture. You might see a lot of seats open and they they just, I, I wish there was a way that the airline could show that they weren't open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if they're empty, just show that they're blocked. So that way right. you have an idea. Yeah. But it, as we've talked about data and, and technology and how the airlines are changing their tech, that might be something going forward that we'll be able to figure out. Yeah. And, you know, I said the easy fix is cargo. If we have a weight restriction, we have some cargo, you take the cargo out. I had a um, a boss, you know, when we made that decision the next day, he was like, yep, good decision, because it does not say blank. It does not say the name of our airline, cargo airline. Our main purpose is to carry passengers and their bags. So even though it might be a high value cargo shipment, we're going to hold it off. Now, we will hold off non-revs for cargo sometimes, but Revenue, we would not bump revenue passengers even for high value cargo unless, and we saw this for the first time during COVID, unless it's a COVID shipment where mm. we need to take the shipment to Ghana to save people's lives. In that case, like there was a concern that we would have to hold some customers off for that. But yeah, you're right. So if you're a non rev and you see 60 seats to Cape Town, you're probably going to get on. If you see 20 seats, Going to Cape Town or Singapore or some far-flung destination, which is at the upper limit of the range of a 787 or an A350, please have a backup plan 
You know, I had to buy my mom a revenue ticket to Singapore a couple of years ago, and there were 30 seats open. Our last topic, Doug, comes from one of our friends and listeners. Well, kind of, because I asked him to write it for us. <laughs> I mean, we do say it's your show, right? And that, that involves some uh, contributions. Let me explain. So last week, we were talking about the growth of Air India, and I mentioned how Singapore Airlines had way more international traffic than Air India, despite Singapore being a tiny country of only 2 million people. Our buddy Aaron, who quality checks our episodes, noted that Singapore actually has a population of 5.5 million people. So I'm sorry to our listeners in Singapore. I thought your country was much smaller. You know, my dad must have told me in the 70s how Singapore only had 2 million people. It is now several years later. Yeah, and that number stuck with you. (laughs) That number stuck. So 5.5 million people. I thanked him for pointing that out. And then we we chatted about how a topic about small countries with big airlines would be a good topic. So I thought, okay, he's fact-checking. He's the numbers guy. He's a rocket scientist. I asked him if he would be willing to do the research for us, come up with a ratio of passengers carried to the population of their respective countries. Well, he did it, Doug. So let's dig into the results. We, we could talk about all these. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go with the first couple that really stand out. Number one on his list is Qatar with a population of 2.8 million. 2019, Qatar Airways carried 32.4 million passengers. So the passengers to the population ratio is 11.57. So they're carrying almost 12 times the population of population. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That is so, you know, and I I didn't think Qatar would be number one. I thought it would be Cathay Pacific or Singapore, but Qatar is a even smaller, 2.8 million people versus 5.5 in Singapore. And then number two is one that I didn't even think about, even though I've flown them, is Iceland Air. They have a population on the island or in the country of 385,000 people. Yeah. In 2019, they carried 4.4 million passengers, which is a pax-to-pop ratio of 11.43, so yeah. just on the heels of Qatar. And they're getting a whole bunch of maxes, and I'm seeing Iceland Air airplanes all over the place. Me too. At, like so many places that I go, I'm seeing Iceland Air 737s. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I joked with our, our friends, I sent a screenshot a couple weeks ago of a bunch of Iceland Air 737 Maxes coming down over Canada. Yeah. And I made the comment like, oh, it looks like Iceland's attacking the East Coast tonight. <laughs> Number three, I'm really surprised that Emirates, that their their passenger to population ratio is as small as it is compared to Qatar. Qatar, yeah, it's almost half, right? Just about half. Yeah, number three, 9.3 million is the population of Emirates. They carried 56.2 million passengers, which is a 6.04 ratio, basically half of what Qatar did. Yeah, that's shocking. I didn't, yeah, I guess Qatar is way smaller than I thought it was. Number four, here's your Singapore. Do you want to cover this one? Right, Singapore with uh, a population of around 5 million they carried a 4.64 times their population in 2019. Wow. So I thought it would be a much, it would be much more. So they do have a lot of local volume because I was thinking it's mostly, well, it's probably still mostly international. And then we have Air New Zealand. New Zealand is a tiny country, but they're carrying 3.4 times their population. Their population is 5.2 million, yet the airline is carrying 17 million. And then Cathay Pacific, they're carrying over three times their population. So, Doug, these countries that don't have a lot of natural resources, right, they don't have a lot of land area, they're very smart. They're looking at ways mm-hmm. where they can make money, 
And a lot of these uh, countries like Singapore is financial, right? Insurance, banks. But they're like, hey, let's start an airline and look at how they're doing. Emirates in Dubai, that country or that emirate doesn't have a lot of oil. So they were thinking ahead. So they're creating a financial hub in Dubai and they have an airline, which is a lot of diversifying. Yeah, they're diversifying their economy. All right. Now, do you want to go to the other side of the spectrum where? Well, hold on. So they're looking at the list. There are 20 Mm -hmm. airlines around the world that carry uh, that have a higher amount of passengers carried than what their population is. So just to, to round out the list, number 20 is Qantas, number 19 is Air France, number 18 is Air Canada, 17 SAS, 16 Aegean, 15 Austrian, 14 TAP Portugal, 13 Etihad, 12 KLM, 11 Oman Air, 10 Aer Lingus, 9 Copa, 8 Swiss, 7 Finnair, and then we talked about the first six already. Yeah, look at Saudi. So they're basically carrying their country's weight, if you will, in population is one point one eight. Do you want to do you want to go to the other side of the spectrum where <laughs> yeah they're, they're yeah. moving out literally? Yeah, the other side that wait at the bottom. I, I don't even know what number because Aaron didn't put this. You, you've got Air India with a population of one, almost one point four billion. <laughs> they carried twenty three point eight million people in two thousand nineteen. That's yeah. a point zero two on the ratio. So I knew it, you know, I knew that they were losing out. And then Air China, China with a population of 1.4 billion, they're only carrying 0.05 of their population, which we can extrapolate or interpolate that they're not getting the volume of travelers they should. Other airlines, other countries are cashing in. India, Emirates, Qatar, Sri Lankan Airlines, all these airlines are taking their customers so with Air India ordering 470 planes, I think they're looking to kind of correct that where they're not losing all this business. Number 42 on this list really stands out to me. That's Philippine Airlines. I know we've mm-hmm. talked about them quite a bit and how they want to actually start building a hub to what they what they say is replace Hong Kong as a, a, a global connecting hub. Yep. I think that they're geographically, they're primed for that. They've ordered a whole bunch of airplanes. Right mm-hmm. now, they have a ratio of 0.15 yeah, that's... Uh, population, 110 million, but they only carried 16.8. I think if we cover this again in a couple of years, you'll see Philippine moving up the list. Right. Uh, a couple more Japan Airlines. Japan Airlines used to be huge. I, You know, we should go back in history because I think their ratio was much higher. They were flying 747s around the world. Now they're much smaller and they only carry 0.27 of their nation's population. We were just talking about Sri Lankan airlines before the only, it's a country of 22 million people and the ratio is 0.25. A lot of airlines are, are taking travelers to and from Sri Lanka where they should be taking more of that, uh, that volume. If they have uh, more flights and a good product before we close, I just want to say uh, Tyler from non-rev lounge visit with visited DC with his two boys. So Tyler, thanks for visiting. That was so much fun. You know, we always, we say, you know, whenever your kids or Tyler's kids do something bad, he'll say in the most loving way, kids are the worst. And then you're like, yeah, kids <laughs> are the worst. But kids are not the worst. They were great kids. They were well behaved. They loved airplanes. I gave them some snacks and some pins and they <laughs> they were so happy. So, <laughs> yeah, we went out to DCA. We watched the plane plan and it's like, Tyler, thank you so much. I really enjoyed meeting your kids. And I am blessed this week with AvGeek visitors. So tomorrow, Greg 
our buddy from Lexington and visits. He's also a contributor to the show. So uh, looking forward to seeing Greg. I want to thank Aaron again for this spreadsheet. This is a lot of work. We definitely got to send him a t-shirt or something. I mean, that, yeah. you know, we have our unpaid contributors. This was enough work for a t-shirt. So Aaron, thank you very much. All right. To all of our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nextripnetwork.com and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 170, operating on February 27th, 2023. This is Drew, an airline ops manager, and I'm here I'm here to dis wait. <laughs> Why am I here? Okay, hold on. Good day and welcome. <laughs> <laughs>